0: Hey everyone, I'm Jordy, the Bible School and Tech Director here, and welcome or welcome back to Impact Life Church's online experience. After the message, please take a moment to like or subscribe, but most importantly, we hope that this message inspires you to impact this generation for Jesus. Man, don't we serve an amazing God? How many of you are in love with Jesus? I'm in love with this man, Jesus. I'm so thankful for him, and not only that, but I'm thankful for the family he put me in. Look at this friendly family we've got here. You know, just take, just wait, if you're you're kind of sitting halfway, take a look around you for a moment. Look at all these people that just, they love Jesus with you. Isn't that nice? No? It just, well, <laughs> just seems like a really great family. Anyways, I, well, I thought so anyway. Uh, but man, good morning. We're so glad that you're here. And uh, we want to just give a quick little update and announcement of what's going on with uh, this past summer, June uh, 2nd to be exact. Uh, We took over some new, or sorry, end of June, June 28th, we took over some new properties that are really right behind us here, over here. Uh, There's a lot over there, and then we also got the second lot. And uh, so what we're currently just waiting on right now is uh, we're just getting a few permits from the city to actually knock that house down. Uh, I thought that I could just go in there and, you know, throw a grenade or something in there and everybody would be happy. But no, apparently there's some laws that you have to go through, so... Um, Kale's nodding his head. Yeah, that's probably the right way to do it. I don't want to get in trouble. So we're not going to just have a big bonfire. We're going to have to wait. So that's just in the process of right now. And uh, so far, you know, between the two properties, we got both of them for about $450,000. And as a church family, we've already paid off just over $120,000 towards it. And that's a period of five months, which is like, thank you. That's, it's amazing. And so just want to say, continue to thank you for those that are continuing to give. Uh, We're going to keep going aggressively to pay those things off because about three weeks ago, uh, a gentleman, another owner in this city, he came up to us and he owns the fourplex next to that one. Um, (laughs) I'm glad you're laughing. That's it. That's a good thing. He came up to us and he just said, do you guys want to buy it as well? (laughs) All right, good. So hork it up, man. We need some, we got we to get this thing going. <laughs> uh, and so what we did is, uh, of course, we're excited to do that. And uh, the only thing is, is we're just, we're uh, we're a little bit, we, we've kind of used all of our uh, finances right now for those other twos. And what we want to do is we want to knock that house down as well to put kind of a temporary parking lot in there. But just so you know, our goal is we're taking this whole area. We're taking it over and we're going to, we're seeking the Lord on what to do with it. But when you have the property, then you can able to do something. So I just wanted to throw that out there to you. If you just would like more information on that, that third building that's there, it's a fourplex. It's got renters in there already. Uh, but if you'd like more information on that, because it is on our heart to do, uh, just because where we are at as a church, we're not financially able to dive into that one quite yet. Uh, but if you'd like more information on that, where's is Barry? Can you stand up for a sec? Where's that handsome Mr. Barry? There he is. Mr. Barry, oh, keep standing for a sec, Mr. Barry, so people can see you. If you'd like more information, please just go run over to him. And uh, he will kind of answer some questions, give you some insight. If you're like, oh man, yeah, I got, I got a half a million bucks laying around, then just go talk to him and he will, he'll take care of the rest from there. But uh, we're excited because, you know, what we do at this church is we don't look for signs. Why? Because signs follow the word. What we look for is a word from heaven. And once we get the word, the signs follow. So what happened this past spring, because there was opportunity for us, we had found some other land that was just outside of the city, and we had been praying about it. Lord, are we going to stay? Are we going to go? And so I know for myself, I was in a bit of a turmoil. Are we Are we going? Are we staying? It'd be nice to go because it's just fresh. And after that, the Lord, I just heard in my heart, stay. Okay, so we stayed, and literally, it was not as about Ten days later, this gentleman on the corner came to us and said, do you want, we want to we give this law, or offer this lot to you. And then not only that, four days later after that, the gentleman that owns this was a private sale, contacted Aaron Tillene and said, hey, do you guys want to also buy this? Uh, Yeah, hello. That's absolutely it. So signs follow the word. So that's just a little tidbit for you this morning. We're not looking for signs because signs follow the word. When you get the word, the signs follow that, right? Amen. That's how we do it here in this, in this church. So anyways, I'm glad you're here this morning, and that's just a quick tidbit, just so you know, and you're wondering, why doesn't anybody, you know, move into that house? And there was an offer to me that, hey, Joel, it could be a parsonage for you. <laughs> I thought, man, what a, what a kind request and offer that was. Uh... Is it heated? No. Is there insulated? No. But hey, who needs that? November has been great so far. Am I right? Like, you don't really need all that. And having a fourth kid, what's one bedroom? You don't need anything else. Said, so, you know what? It's absolutely right. Thank you for the offer. I'm going to refuse it, though. Anyway, so that's, that's the goal because we, we are knocking that puppy down. Amen. So if you've got your Bibles with you, turn with me to John chapter 10 and verse 10. Are you ready this morning? Uh, we're coming at it. Ready? The Rock and roll. So John chapter 10, verse 10, and we are continuing our series on This Is Living, and we are just, man, I, I don't know about you, but it's it's changing me. This whole series has rocked my world. And, uh, you know, this past weekend, I'll just kind of give you a whole little spiel of where I'm coming from. About two years ago, the Lord said to me when I just, uh, it was actually my birthday two years ago, and uh, Jamie said, go away for a little while and just... I like to journal, I like to just retake my Bible and I like to journal. So I went away to, to a Timmy's and I got my French vanilla and I sat down and the Lord said to me, he said, I'm going to start revealing a father's love to you in a greater way. And I wrote that down in my journal, kind of thought, oh, cute, like that sounds great. I didn't think much of it. But ever since then on this journey from the last two years with my time with the Lord, I have been radically rocked by seeing how kind a father is. It's, it's been overwhelming to me, and part of this has been just even my own journey through parenting my own children, and just starting to see how God views me, I can now do it towards them. But it's absolutely just changed the way that I'm starting to see this amazing God that we serve. So I don't know if it's helping you any, but it's helping me tremendously. There's been so much insight about even my roots getting formed and in fashioned into God's love for me. It's been a life-changing thing for me right? And we, I told you about the tight pants story. I told you about all these other things that what people's opinions on me used to mean so much to me, but now it's like, well, God loves me. I actually don't really give a rip what you think, right? So here come the tight pants. All right. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> But so this past weekend, we had an awesome time. We had a parenting seminar as well this, week, this weekend, and it was phenomenal. So all you parents that came out, kudos to you. you you're, you're doing it, right? We're, we're raising a generation of God-seekers, of hungry children for God, and it can start now, not just when they're, you know, 18. It can start, begin today. So anyways, this, this series we're on, Jesus said these words. These, are, these words are in red. So he's speaking, and he said, a thief has only one thing in mind. What does this thief want to do? He wants to steal, he wants to slaughter, and he wants to destroy. If you could look at the devil's agenda this morning, you flip open to, you know, November 17th. What does he want to do? It's right here. He wants to steal, slaughter, destroy. But, Jesus said, I have come to give you everything in abundance. More than you expect. Life in its fullness until you Overflow. This is the life. So if you look at Jesus' agenda this morning to find out what can you flip to this day, what does he want to do today? He wants to do these things to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. Now, I want to encourage you. Do you have an image on the inside of what this would look like to you? Do you see it? Do you have an idea of what of an abundant life would look like don't just think money that's where kind of people tend to go right away what, what do you see in your marriage what do you see with your family what do you see with your job with maybe relationships what do you see in your body physically how do you see your soul your mind your will your emotions how do you see everything about your life do you see it in abundance because let me encourage you that's where it begins it doesn't just poof and all of a sudden you had a good day with God no it doesn't just randomly happen Right, Everything God does is intentional. God is not giving out accidents. God's not an accident God. He does everything intentionally. So you and I, we have got to get an image of what God says in his word that we can have and he possessed for us to now start seeing it in our lives. And then he goes on to say, once you get that good picture, he's going to top that. (laughs) Right? that's just because how good he is. So he's like, I'm not going to stay limited to your imagination on how good you think I am. Oh, you're thinking that much? Okay, well, bam, there's a whole lot more where that came from. That's our God. So do you see him this way? Because this is the life that he came to give you and I. Not in heaven. Heaven's going to be great no matter what. Here on earth. Here in this earth, in this, in this day and age. So I don't know about you, but I want to be an example for God to pour out his blessing so people can go, how on earth are you doing this? How is this happening to you? It's such because I have such a wonderful dad. He looks after me. Okay. So and then we've been discussing, before seeing this fruit even of abundance, I have to get my root proper. And my root has been, God loves me. The reason why God does anything good in your life is because he loves you. That's the root. It's not because I worked hard and I was a good enough person to get it. No, everything that he does is because he is good. He is kind. And so my root is in how much he loves me. So again, this is what the Lord said to me a couple of weeks ago. Let your imagination go wild on my love for you. What does it look like? Just think about how much God loves me. Take the time to think on it. What does that look like to you personally? God loves me. I would encourage you on a piece of paper, just write those words, God loves me, and start to write down what you see from that phrase, God loves me. What does he show you in your heart? How big can it be? Because if he gave you Jesus, he'd give you anything, right? You are worth Jesus to him, and that's a pretty high price, right? I'm glad we're all excited about that this morning. Here we go. Okay, so Ephesians 3, 17, he says, let your roots grow down into God's love and keep you strong. My roots are growing down here. How many of you are conscious of where your roots are going? You know, over these past five weeks, I hope that you are on purpose, intentionally getting yourself established, getting yourself rooted in this love. What does that mean? It says, I'm always bringing my thought life back to how much God loves me. The Passion Bible says it like this, that the resting place, it says this, the resting place of his love will become the very source and the very root of my life. John 59, Jesus said this, I have loved you as much as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love for you and do not doubt it. Why does he say do not doubt it? Doubting God's love for you is to doubt God himself. So I'm not going to doubt it. God loves me. No matter what happens, no matter what takes place, God loves me. It's God loves me, God loves me, God loves me, God loves me. So he tells me to remain. How do I remain in his love? I have to fix my thoughts on it. I have to fix my mind, my attention back to this love regularly. Look at this in Philippians chapter 4, in verse 11 and 12. This is, these are Paul's words. And remember, Paul is writing this epistle in prison. And Jamie and I, when we did a Europe trip in 2012, we had an opportunity to go to Rome and we actually went and we looked at this prison that he was in. And if you do history on this, these aren't like, you know, prisons today where there's a TV, a nice workout area to get ripped. That wasn't that, <laughs> right? So Paul's not sitting in luxury just going, oh, yeah, rejoice in the Lord always. <sighs> and again, I say, norm, norm, norm. rejoice. Woo! He's not doing that. He's tied up. His hands are above his head. And this is a place that was underground that all of Rome, the, the, um, the sewage would come into this place, and a lot of prisoners at that time, they would drown because the sewage would fill up depending on, on the rainy seasons. If it would come in, it would just wipe it all up and it would be in there, there'd be rats in there. Oh, yeah. And now this is, the, this is the Paul that's writing this, right? And look how he says, I have learned how to be... Say that with me. I've learned how to be content with whatever I had. Obviously, this is a learned behavior. Because a lot of Christians, if they were in this situation, why are my hands tied up? They're not being very nice. He's saying, I've learned something. I've learned to be content with whatever I have. In verse 12 goes on to say, I know. say, I know. I know how to live in almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living. The secret of living. Come on, say it with me. The secret of living People are wondering, you know, they'll they'll set up meetings with like these these multi-billionaires and say, what's the secret to your success? And they'll ask them all these types of things. Well, Paul right here is telling you and I, here's the secret for living. You want the secret sauce? You ready for it? Philippians chapter four, verse eight. Go back a couple verses. And here it is. He says one final thing. Fix your thoughts. Everybody say it. Fix my thoughts. That's not very fun. I thought it was three easy ways to get a million bucks or, you know, <laughs> jump over here and you all of a sudden receive the blessing of your lifetime. Nowhere do you find that. He says, fix your thoughts. What does it mean to fix it? <laughs> Part of it is also fixing it, but it also means to establish it. You know the same way that you, anybody set an alarm clock this morning. Oh, I can't wait for that day again. <laughs> I got, I got, you know, I got two alarm clocks that are really, really good at waking me up. Uh, whatever time they want. They're really good alarm clocks, but they, you can actually, the way you set an alarm clock, right, you on purpose set it for 6 a.m., right, some of you think that's some demonic hour. No, 6 a.m., it's set. Well, the same way here, he, Paul's saying you set your thoughts. So all of a sudden, your thoughts want to take you this way. Oh, set it. All of a sudden, take it. Uh, set it. Okay. All of a sudden, take it. Uh, set it. Fix your thoughts. Set your thoughts on what? What is true. You know, this would just solve a lot of problems right off the bat because sometimes you follow rabbit trails that, that aren't even truth. The person said this, and then this person said that, and it just goes into a whole spiral, and it's not even true. Calm yourself, fix it. Fix it on what is true, what is honorable, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So while Paul's hanging out there looking at the guy next to him getting eaten by rats, what's he doing? No, he's going, I'm setting my thoughts. God, you love me. And if you read this epistle, it is powerful. He says, I know that I'm going to get out of this prison. I know it. How does he know it? Because he's fixing his thoughts on God and his love for him and what God's called him to do. It's a totally different way of living. Can we see that? So how do I remain in the love of God? No matter what comes my way, oh, I'm going to fix it. Somebody said this about me. Before I start going crazy on him, whoop, bring it right back. I'm going to fix and set my mind to think, he loves me. My father loves me. And from this place now, we respond. From this place, we communicate. We talk. We listen. Because if you start leaving this set place and you start going off, things become clutterish. You won't be able to see properly. And you'll be making a lot of mistakes. So to avoid all these mistakes, I'm going to just come back and set my mind. Right, say it with me, set my mind. Now, who's in charge of setting it? Me. Jamie can't set my mind. God can't set my mind. The devil can't set my mind. All he tries to do is distract me from setting it from what is true, from what is honorable and right. He tries to get my mind off that. But I'm in charge of it. I'm going to go, no, I'm setting it here. Right, we're all good? Set it. Okay, let's look here. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. The gospel tells us how God makes us right. Now here, let's still go into this. For I'm not ashamed of the good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work. What is the power of God? It's the good news, the gospel, right? What's the power of God? Somebody say, what's God's power? Uh, you know, rub their feet real quick and stop somebody. What is the power of God? It's the good news, This is his power. So you don't need more power. You need more gospel. You need more good news. Right? And then it says, it is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. And that word believes, as we found out, doesn't just mean I miss hell and I go to heaven. That word saving is from the Greek word soteria or sozo. Right? Everybody say that with me. Soteria. And what does that mean? There's eight definition words for that word soteria. And one of them is rescue which we talk about being saved from hell and going to heaven. That's one out of the eight. And also included in there talks about your deliverance. It talks about your safety. It talks about your victory. It talks about prosperity. It talks about healing. It talks about soundness. It talks about wholeness. Those eight words are wrapped up. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes. So if you don't believe it, don't worry. You won't ever experience it. Oh, I don't believe God wants you to be prosperous. Okay, don't have to. It's a choice. It's saving everyone who believes. If you don't want to believe that, don't. It's fine with God. It's fine with you. Sad though, right? If you don't want to be delivered, oh, that's fine. Just just stay where you're at. But it's saving everyone who believes. So belief is vital. Right? Look at verse 17. He says, this good news, what does it do? It tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This good news is not telling you how worthless you were, how useless you are. This good news tells us how God sets you right. So again, what is this whole new covenant all about? The emphasis is not on me. The emphasis is on what God did to make me right. I didn't have to do anything to be right in God's sight. He did it all. So the focus is on the man Jesus and everything he did in his death and his resurrection. So now we're here and we're celebrating the resurrected king. Look what he did for us. Look what he did. He's alive. It's not going, oh, he's alive. Yay, that's great for him. No, no. His living is also your victory. So you got to see it that way. It's not just good. Oh, good for Jesus that he rose from the dead. No, he brought you along with him and he puts you in the highest places in heaven. That's what he did. Ephesians 2.6. That's what he did. Now notice this. This is accomplished. What's accomplished? How God makes us right. Is accomplished from start to finish. How? By faith. As the scripture says, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. So next week, I know Pastor John and Ingrid will be here next weekend to discuss and go more into, into faith. But what I want to do this, this morning is take some time because, it's, as you see, this is one of the places in the Bible, there's four total, that we see the Bible say the just or those that are right in God's sight, they are to live by Faith. This is how righteous people live. They live by how? Faith. Righteous people live how? By faith. faith. This is how we live. So this is not a movement. This is not a denomination. Faith isn't a cult. Faith is the only way to please God because faith is the only way that a righteous person is supposed to live. So before we get into this though... Sometimes I've had, you know, questions come up to me, different things on just about faith in general, but I want to go back and let's just reiterate, how do we walk this life of faith? It starts with you and I having a right standing with God mindset. If you don't understand that you are righteous, you are declared right in God's sight because of what Jesus did. It is going to be difficult for you walking by faith. All you're here. I got to walk by faith. What does that mean? Until you understand who you are in Christ Jesus, what God did for you at the cross through the blood of Jesus and raised you up to live by faith will be difficult. So this is what we're going to do this morning is just take a little bit of time to talk about a righteousness, a right standing mindset. We need to have this. Are we ready? Okay. you everybody okay? Okay. I know I'm kind of yelling. I don't mean to yell again. It's just, it's part of it. I'm sweating already. It's a little bit warm up here. Okay. So let's look at Hebrews chapter 5, and while you're turning there, I want to just make this statement. I wrote this down in my notes a little while ago, but why is it so vital that we go after a righteousness mindset? It's because we live our lives according to how we view ourselves. Just think about it for a moment. How do you view yourself is going to come up in how you live your life. If you find yourself unworthy or a worm, you are going to have your head down low and think that I'm just, I'm no good. Is that true? It's a constantly what's going on in your self-talk. How do you see yourself is how you're going to live your life. If we don't know that we're righteous, and you know when I say the word righteous, everybody understand what I'm saying? Righteous meaning you have right standing before God, as if you've never done a thing wrong. If we don't see that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, we will continue, here's the thing, you will continue to be dominated by shame and guilt. Because what does shame and guilt want to do? It wants to paralyze you. It wants to keep you down. It wants to keep you under. And Satan now has the legal way to keep you where you're bound. You're unable to function and use your authority as a son or a daughter of the Most High God. And that's what God has called you out of to give you this God-given authority. So it is vital that you and I, we have got to take the time to go into the scriptures and find out what does God say? What has he spoken to me about me because of what Jesus has done? And I choose to believe it. Now, this is what I kind of like to call even the great exchange. You may have thought patterns and go, okay, man, I, I miss it. I'm so unworthy. God, I don't deserve it. Catch yourself. Go, no, 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 no. That's not true. That is not true. I have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and put that into your brain. You're gonna have to exchange some thoughts here, right? Thought may come. Maybe you did mess up and go, oh man, can't believe I missed. What is wrong with you? Stop yourself. Lord, I repent of that. Thank you that you cleanse me and I am the righteousness of God. You have to constantly bring it back to what Jesus did for you. Because if you don't, living by faith becomes difficult. Okay, all right. So, the past does not define me. What happened to me doesn't define me. What is my definition of life? What defines me in this life is what Jesus did on the cross and in his resurrection. That is where I go to find out who I am now in Christ Jesus. Right? If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone. is passed away. Behold, the fresh and the new has come. So the focus has to be on the fresh and the new. The focus can't be on the old man. This is what I did. This is what happened to me. Oh, God. And listen, there can be time of healing. There may be a process that you've got to take in it. But don't let it stop you from going where God has called you to be. Because it'll hold you back and God has got great things for you. So as you see here, Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 13, it says, every spiritual infant who lives on milk. And what is milk? What kind of food? It's infant food, right? You're not gonna, I'm not going to give a baby a steak. Right, I didn't take you know I didn't take my you know my little girl to we had meat night this past Wednesday. I'm not gonna take you know an infant to go hork on a bunch of meat. <laughs> right? That's not the place. Infants don't they live on milk? They're not yet. And notice how come they live on milk? Because they're not yet. Come on, read it with me. They're not yet pierced by the revelation of righteousness. And that word again, righteousness means what? Right standing with God. They're not yet pierced. By the revelation. So it has not hit their mindset yet that I am righteous before God. It hasn't hit them yet. So where do they live? They live in infancy stage and they continue to go to milk. They, 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 they settle for the little bit of drops from the word. And they thank God for the, the milk of the word. Like there's the, the, the little bit of stuff that you can get a spoon feed and go, Oh, that was good. Okay, that was good. God wants to throw a fat steak on your plate and go eat up. Don't settle for just, oh, a little bit of information, a little bit of revelation. No, no, no. Go for the whole thing. So where does that begin? I have to know who I am in God's eyes. I am right in his eyes. And I'll show you another verse. Galatians chapter 4. Man, I read this verse. This, this rocked my world to go and look into righteousness. It says, think about it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children... Those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up. Everybody say, Grow up. up." Say "Grow grow up. Even though they have an inheritance. It says, even though that they actually own everything their father has. So you and I, when we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, what did God give you? An inheritance. There is a huge inheritance for you and I that belongs to you because we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. I am now a son of the Most High God. So guess what? There's an inheritance for me. And that's not just for heaven. Because what's an inheritance? Somebody has to die and leave a will. Well, Jesus is the only man who died, wrote the will, and rose from the dead to make sure that you get it pretty sweet deal. And now he's making sure that his will, his inheritance belongs to you. But the only thing is I can't participate in the inheritance until I grow up. So even though you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and savior, the whole inheritance belongs to you. What's blocking you? What's keeping you from experiencing it? I've not been pierced with the revelation of righteousness because what God has given you and I, through the death and burial and extension of Jesus, is mind-boggling. It'll absolutely go, wow. This is what the good news is. Too good to be true. And as long as we go, and you can see all the fights that are out there in this day. Oh, God doesn't want you blessed. God doesn't want you healed. God doesn't want you to have peace. God wants you to have your kids to die. What? And what we're stuck in is we get stuck living in the infant stages of the word. And we just pick up little tidbits in God's meaning while he's gone, I got so much stuff. Please take it. He's trying to get it to you, right? Because he already died and gave it to you. So now we have to grow up. So again, what's the way of growing up? I have to be pierced with the revelation of righteousness. I'm gonna say it with me, righteousness. Now, do I earn it? As we saw in Romans chapter one, verse seventeen, this the good news tells us how God makes us right. So what we're doing is we're not trying to earn right standing with God. We just need to come to the understanding of what God has already done for us. Believe it and say, Lord, I believe I receive it. That's it. Can we we all agree on that? Okay, let's continue on here. Now let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7. What I'm going to do is I'm actually going to just take a few moments just to do the contrast between a spiritual infant and a grown-up. And 2 Corinthians 5, 7 is a good starting place for you and I because what we see here right off the bat, spiritual infants, they live by their physical senses. So just think about it for a moment. Like just maybe you've, you've seen a kid or you've seen an infant. And I'm going to just do the contrary, an infant and a grown-up. But infants, how do they think? What's their thinking process? How do they view life? And that's what I'm going to get into. And so 2 Corinthians 5, 7, it says, For we live, how? By believing not by seeing. Now let me just, before we go into this, if you just accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, guess what? You are an infant. And is there anything wrong with that? No. Like, aren't you grateful, ladies, that when you gave birth, it wasn't a 16-year-old child that came out? <laughs> Whew. Gosh, the bullet on that one. Well, it's the same way. When you come into the kingdom of God, what if the individual is 70 years old and comes into the kingdom of God when he's 70? Spiritually speaking, he is a, he's an infant. No matter what age you are, so I look at this and I go, spiritual growth is not dependent on age. Because I've met 70-year-old babies, I've met 15-year-old babies, I've met 20-year-old giants, and I've met 70-year-old giants. It makes no difference, right? But what is the difference then between an infant and somebody who's grown up, spiritually speaking? It's the revelation of righteousness. It's not about how much I pray. It's not my church attendance. Come on, somebody. This this is good news. It's me being pierced by who I am in the sight of God and me believing it, me stepping out, acting on it, me receiving what God's already done. That makes me a spiritual grown-up, right? Okay, so we see here there's a contrast right off the bat. For we live by believing, not by seeing. So you can see here, right here, there's two different types of lifestyles that you and I could be a part of. What are the two lifestyles? We live by what? Either our belief, believing what Jesus did, or by sight, or our senses. So there's two different ways to live, and they're both contrary to one another. Can you see that? Okay. Now let's look at this. Number one, the first distinguish, or the the difference. Spiritual infants are dominated by what they see. So what I want to do this morning, as I said, if you are a spiritual infant this morning, just I want you to <laughs> recognize that for yourself and go, okay, I need to make a change. Uh, you know, one thing I'm always really aware of is I'd never want to say that I'm older than I actually am. And when somebody, this actually happened this past week, um, you know, what you, you know, for kids, for example, they say, oh, I'm older. Like, ah, I'm like 13 and they're six. <laughs> right? So the, it's easy to overestimate where you think you are. So just take a very... Sober, thank you, dear. It's a sober reality of where you're at, and it's okay. Everybody say, it's okay. No, if, if this is where you're at, infancy stage, we're not here. This is, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. But if you've been a Christian for 20 years still operating this way, it's time you grow up. Because God's got way more for you to do, and meanwhile, you're stuck in infancy, sucking bottles left, right, and center, and God's trying to give you meat so that you can help other babies have bottles. Right? okay (laughs) so right the first one is spiritual infants are dominated by what they see so natural circumstances what do natural circumstances do in an infant's life it dictates how they live and it causes them to make rash decisions i mean just think of it from a natural perspective anybody been around an infant what are they dominated by feelings right? They're dominated by feelings. The natural world calls the shots in their life. Oh, this person's going to give me a, you know, a hundred dollar an hour raise. I'm going to go over there. Did he tell you? Or are you being moved by an opportunity? That's not a leading of the spirit. Just because all of a sudden there's $50,000 more a year over there does not mean that's God. Because what can happen is all of a sudden you leave and before you know it, they were going to give you a $75,000 raise right where you left. So you've got to be led by the Spirit. So feelings or opportunities or signs are not our leading. Because spiritual infants are moved by what they see. They're moved by how they feel. The next thing is what is seen is more real to them than what the Word of God has to say. They'll be like, oh, I, I know the Bible says this, but... And they'll list off a whole different things. They're not capable because what they see is more real to them than what the Word has to say. So what is, the? how do I grow out of this state of being dominated by what I see? I need to develop a, a right standing, come on with me, a right standing understanding, a right standing mentality. This is who I am in Christ Jesus. This is what he's done for me. This is the only cure to grow up. Like think about it. Naturally speaking, kids just get older. They get bigger. They get tall, and they go, you know, infant. You got toddler. You got teens. You got adult stage, right? Then you go into seniorhood. So it's you can see the natural progression. But you cannot be, you know, can't mix those two up spiritually speaking. Just because you grow up in the church and you've been there for fifty years does not mean that you've grown up spiritually speaking. The only way we can tell if you've grown up spiritually speaking is if you develop a righteousness, a right standing mindset. This is the only way to grow up. And if you want to continue to grow up, guess what it's going to take? More understanding of righteousness. Like, isn't that cool? I thought this would excite a few people this morning. but I, Maybe. maybe. It, th- this is it. It's not by me praying for 50 hours. It's not about me, how fast I can run around when the song gets real good and I get hyped. It's not about, hallelujah, God. Above it all, God's going, oh, yeah, growing up. I see it. No, it's, it's a mindset. It has nothing to do with external things. It has everything to do with your thought life. Okay. So, spiritual infants are dominated by what they see. On the contrary now, spiritual grown-ups are dominated. Everybody say dominated. They are dominated by what God says in His Word. Situation comes their way. No, 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 no. (laughs) My God, greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. That's not going to happen this way in my house. The word is their source. Matthew 4, 4, Jesus goes on to say, and he says these powerful words. He says, people do not live by bread alone. But how do they live? By every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is what a spiritual grown-up looks like. How do they live? They live by every word. Come on, say it with me. Every word. Every word that comes from where? The mouth of God. So before Facebook says, before government says, before so-and-so says, what does God say? This is what I go to. This is what I run to. Amen. Okay. So these are, they know who they are and they are firmly rooted in what God says and they are unmoved by natural circumstances. How can you be unmoved with everything going on? I'm in right standing with God. How can that answer be so simple? Because it is. I know who I am. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God, I'm never going to fail. Well, how can you say that? You don't know what's going to happen out there. I know who I am in God's eyes. I am righteous. So we're developing this mindset, right? Oh, man, I'm, I'm expecting some changes in all y'all. It's, it's, we're, gonna, we're God, I believe this God, not only are we digging deep, but part of this digging deep is God is growing us up. This is what we're doing. He's growing this church up to be a vessel that he can use in these last days to reach a city that don't know him. Do you know that less than 10% of Red Deer goes to church? Less than 10%. So I'm not, but our competition is not any other church. Our competition, we're fighting you know, camping trips. We're fighting you know, people just ignorant of what, what God's doing. That's the competition. We're not fighting anybody. Our goal is we want to reach these people how we have to know who we are. Because people, like, people are looking for miracles. We want to see the miraculous, and yeah, people will be drawn in. But how does that come? We're just expecting God, okay, maybe if they sing this song right, or maybe if they, you know, if they hit this note a little bit higher, then I'll feel a goosebump and oh, then I know God's here. No, I know God's here because I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Wherever I go, he goes. When I lay hands on the sick, I lay hands on the sick as the righteousness of God. Not as Joel housing. I'm in right standing with God, so when I lay hands on you, you will be healed. It's a whole different way of thinking. What is it? It's authoritative. That's the difference. And that's what God is looking for. Because as long as we live in shame and condemnation and this guilt of what has happened to me or what I've done, God is not able. Listen, he loves you, but he can't use you because you're doubting what he did for you. Anyway. Number two, infants don't do anything for themselves. Right, again, just think naturally speaking. You maybe got a a grandchild or a baby of your own, an infant. Can they do anything on their own? Who feeds them breakfast? (laughs) Who changes their diaper? Mama. (laughs) Who puts them to bed? Who reads them a story? Who brushes their teeth? Who puts their clothes on? Who wipes their butt? (laughs) Right? Who cleans up the pee when they constantly miss? (laughs) Jamie. (laughs) Jamie. constantly 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 and all of a sudden who's yelling early in the morning i can't find my sock who's got to go find it we got to grow out of that stage a little bit (laughs) i was going to say that was jamie but no (laughs) infants can't do anything for themselves so here's the thing they are completely dependent on someone else for everything and that's not to say if there's times listen as grown-ups you need help that's not to say that but I'm just looking at from an infancy stage. They need help with everything. What do I do about this? Hey, maybe could you pray about this situation and give me the answer for it? Uh, no. <laughs> Why? Because God wants to talk to you for yourself. That's part of the growing up side. Not to say that I won't pray. Of course, I'll, I'll bring my faith with you. I'll bring my supply. But ultimately, God wants to talk to you. And that's good news, right? When you get it from God, what does that do to you? It builds your faith. And you get excited going, man, God said this to me. And now you go the distance. Okay. Uh, Spiritual infants look to others, as I said, to pray, to tell them what to do to fix their mess and to feed them. So how do I grow out of not being able to do anything for myself? What do I need to do to get out of that? Develop a righteous mindset. Okay, the answer is going to be the same for all four of them, just to give you a heads up. So if you're wondering, well, how do I get out of this? "Ah, Pray louder? No, 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 no. I need to develop... A right-standing mindset, (laughs) okay? I just gave you the answers. That was my favorite grade seven teacher. He got fired because he had alcohol in his mug, but I sure appreciated him for... (laughs) 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 He was a different kind of guy. He would come into the class and like, no, like this is no joke. He'd walk in. Like, you doing okay? Oh, I'm great. Sweet. What's the answer for number eight? And he'd walk by. Doo-loo-doo, 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 and then on the Scantron sheets, y'all remember those? He'd just point C. And, and then he'd walk away. And then while, since he just, went oh, oh, number eight. And he'd just, you know, slander on by. a <laughs> And here's one time, <laughs> this is actually a true thing. He walked out of the classroom one time. He went to the hallway and he left the Scantron answer sheet on the, the desk. Now, this isn't Christian, this isn't good. But as he's walking back in from the hallway, he would yell out, I hope everybody's in their seat and all looking at the answer sheet. <laughs> Meanwhile, not me, but I got somebody else to go run over there and start yelling them off to the class C A D C B A D. And we all got 88%. <laughs> I think he needed the class average to go up a little bit because we were a little stupid. So I just saw, man. So afterwards, he kept passing out. This is no, do you remember this, Mom? This is no joke. Every kid in that class, probably 20 kids, all got 88%. (laughs) The class average went up. And so did his, you know, he got an award, that teacher of the month. (laughs) And so here's the thing. Who voted for him? All the kids. Dion, Dion. Man, we just cheered him on. So I just gave you the answers for one, two, three, four. How do we do it? It's a new, renewed your mindset. Okay, <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> I think grade seven, I, like, I aced that year, man. I was so smart that year. And then teachers stopped teaching after that. I don't know what their deal was. But <laughs> All right, this was number two. Infants can do anything for themselves, and on the contrary... Spiritual grown-ups depend on God and look after, i sorry, to look after them and they'll help others as well. So spiritual grown-ups, who is their source for life? It's God. They're looking to him. I'll show you this in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. <clears throat> it says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He says, he comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Now look at this, an infant can't take care of an infant. Like look at, look at sweet Amy with Gracie. Gracie can't walk herself out the door to go get what she needs. She needs help, right? And on top of it, can an infant help an infant? How many of you left you know, babysitting, an infant you know, a five-year-old can watch over? That's not gonna work, right? You don't trust them with anything, right? It's the same way with God. And he's like, God's got all these, ble- these, and this inheritance is huge. And it's not that God's withholding it. He wants to get it to you, but he can't give it to infancy stages because they'll blow something up with it. They'll abuse it, right? The same way, I'm not gonna let my son play with my shotgun, no chance. No way, why? Because he's not of age. I barely trust myself with it. <laughs> so what do we gotta do? We gotta grow up with this thing, Right? Now you're all thinking, he's got a gun. Joel's got a gun. Do, 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 do. It was given to me for my birthday. The Lord told him to give it to me, and I said, you heard right. So I said, amen. Okay, number three. He told me what it's for. It's a BB gun. Not It's, not, it's for bad guys and bears. That's, that's it. So number three. Infants live in a very small world, and they are the center of it, right? Anybody seen an infant? Who's in charge or thinks that they're in charge? That infant, right? They think that they're in charge of this whole thing, and sadly, this is the culture that we live in actually goes for this, that we try to push it, that the whole world is around you. Can I just tell you something hard to break your bubble? The world is not about you. Pur- this, your life really is not even about you it's about how god is able to use me to benefit his kingdom that's really it i'm a vessel at best <laughs> so once we get out of this infancy stage then the world will stop being around us another part of it too is um, infants are concerned about what others think of them like when you walked into the room this this morning oh, what, are, what are people thinking about me what if I raise my hands too high? I don't know the thing? Oh man, they're so self-focused. And can I tell you the truth, Pastor Lori? Who's actually thinking about us? <laughs> Nobody. That was one of the things she said. You actually may need counseling to when you find out how much people aren't thinking about you. <laughs> well, I thought you were thinking. No, I, I actually didn't give a rip about what you were doing. Oh right? So if you go, f- if all of a sudden, man, you just get so excited about what Jesus does that you come to the altar, you lift up, go for it. Nobody's looking at you. And if they do, they got their own little problems that they got to deal with. But for the most part, somebody came up here and danced. We were just going, oh, I might want to join that. Thank you for stepping out and being free. Now I want to be free. Anywho. Continue on. Infants are focused on getting, focused on hoarding and keeping it for themselves, right? Mine. What's the best word you hear in infant? Said it mine, mine, mine. And if that, all of a sudden they see something that you like, mine, right? And I'm gonna take that and this, and they just walk around like this. This is my life, it's all about me. <laughs> Lastly, then, infants living in a small world is because they need to get the credit for their work constantly. You didn't recognize me, why didn't you say thank you for giving you that? Oh, thanks. Well, now it's not a real thank you. Whoa, man, me down now. Like, who are you mad at? Right, but they constantly need this thank you for the thank thank you. Right, they're okay, or they have to constantly get the, the credit for the work, and they have a hard time passing honor where honor is due. So, how do we fix this and get out of this state? <laughs> what is it? <laughs> Don't make me do that again. How do I get out of this state? A right standing or righteousness mindset. <laughs> Come on, I gave you all the answers. You should get four for four out of this. <laughs> 88%. Right now you're at 25%. I was just, okay, look at this verse. In uh, Proverbs 11, verse 24 in the Message Bible, it says, The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. This is what infancy stages. They live stingy. And Don't just think money. Think about their life right? Well, I don't want to pick you up because it's going to cost me gas. What? Cheapskate. You're going to say, no, I'm trying to reserve. No, you're cheap. It's a major difference, right? You go to a restaurant. Well, that waitress, didn't really do a really good job. I'll give her a $2 tip. Cheap. And they're going, oh, the service wasn't that good. The world of the generous There's nothing to do with anybody else. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. Meanwhile, $2 tip. Enjoy your small world. It's a small world after all. That's where they live, right? And they're thinking that they're doing the waitress a favor. Well, maybe you'll do a better job next time. You ain't helping nobody. And they call it spiritual. Call it cheap. (laughs) And lastly, I'm really fine. I just, I'm fine. (laughs) Number four, (laughs) Infants can't handle much. So, does everybody remember these? These so we listed these four. Number one, infants—they are dominated by feelings. They're dominated by what they see. Number two, infants can't do anything for themselves. Three, infants live in a small world. Number four, now infants can't handle much. When the pressure is on, what's the what's the go-to place? Ah, oh, it's hard. I can't do this. Right, thinking that Christianity is all about comfort. There's nowhere in the Bible do we find Christianity comfortable. In fact, the uh, you know the twelve disciples that originally started, all of them got martyred except for John, who died on the island of Patmos. Right, the other one hanged himself. Like this is not just a, oh well, I'm, I'm with Jesus now, yeah, everything's okay. No, now the mark is on you, man. The devil's after to take away your testimony. So this is why Jesus said, now that I've saved you, develop, you got rooted in my love. Now that you know how much I love you, this righteousness concept, this righteousness mindset should be dominating your thought life. Dominating. Somebody says something against you. My first thought needs to be, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Something comes against you. Greater is he that's in me than is he that's in the world. Some coworker says something about you. But my God is for me, so who can be against me? These thoughts should be bombarding. And the only way that you do that is you take the time to invest in your soul life. You have to invest in your soul. Jesus invested in your spirit. Spiritually speaking, you are fine. Now you got to take his word and he will wash your soul. He will wash your mind with the watering of his word. That's what it's for. Amen. Okay. Infants, they are easily set off. Infants like to argue. They like to fight. They like to cause a fuss, right? Infants aren't effective helpers because they're focusing on what I can get out of this. So how do I get out of I can't handle much? (laughs) I'm developing a... Yay, got it. So on the contrary, spiritual grown-ups, they say this phrase, I can handle it. Say with me, I can handle it. I can handle it. This is how we speak. I can handle it. And look at this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 through 9. Paul says this, We are pressed on every side by troubles, but, say it with me, we are not crushed. See, if you're a spiritual infant side, we're pressed on every side by troubles. <laughs> and listen, if... If that's how it feels right now, there is nothing wrong with that. I've been pressed and I felt like on every side by troubles. There's been times I'm just bawling my face off on it. But until then God reminded me, who are you? Like, I want to encourage you, read if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 6, read that chapter. Over and over, you see Paul reminding the Corinthian church, don't you know that this is who you are? Don't you know this is what Jesus did for you? Don't you know? And I think by the time that he's done, he's like a, like a boxing coach, just slapping the guy. Don't you remember this? Anybody watch a, a boxing fight recently or a UFC cut match? You see those guys and all of a sudden like they sit down in that little chair and they're kind of sitting there. Man, the coach, I mean, he was, he was, I was watching this one fight. He's like, uh, sorry, I'm not going to hit you, man. He sits him down and the coach is sitting on it. And he said, don't you remember that white hook that you got? Don't you remember that big left jab that you got? Man, don't you remember? You can take any kind of pain. This is what Paul is doing to this Corinthian church. Don't you know who you are? So yeah, he said, we're pressed on every side by troubles, but... I'm not, I'm not crushed. We are perplexed, meaning we've got that quick question mark on our head. But we're not driven to despair. Go on to say, verse 9. We are hunted down, but we're never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. So how did Paul get to this place where he could say all these things? Not like Paul, some special guy that could do this. No, because he knew who he was in Christ Jesus. The old is gone. What happened to me was gone. What I did was gone. The fresh and the new has come. I am righteous. He knew this so he could go on verse 13. He says this, but we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith, same kind of trust this psalmist said when he said, I believed in God, so I speak that. This is how I speak. Spiritual grown-ups, they speak their belief. Look at this next one. 2 Timothy 2, verse 3 says, Overcome every form of evil as a victorious soldier of Jesus, the anointed one. Verse 4. He says, For every soldier called in active duty must divorce himself from the distractions of this world so that he may fully satisfy the one who chose him. This is a grown-up talking. And when you hear these words, we kind of go, oh, man, Paul, you're just something else. No, this is a grown-up speaking, and he's trying to grow us up. He's talking to Timothy, a young pastor. He's saying, come on, soldier, divorce yourself from this. Just set yourself apart from all that junk. This is who you are. You are an act of duty. God enlisted you. He enlisted you. you didn't enlist yourself. He chose you and said, there's something in that I can handle it. I believe this in these last days, the pressure is going to be turned on by the world. But God is eating some people like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who refuse to bow in the face of fire. Listen, God, what we would all like, I'm sure Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were kind of, you know, okay, God, it'd be great if you put out that fire now. Like they went through the fire. They still went through it. A lot of times we kind of think, oh, God's going to deliver me and how he delivers me. I'll never have to experience it. Not so. Do you want to know Why? The more stronger you are, the more able you're able to handle it, God reached an entire nation through three men. And right afterwards, Nebuchadnezzar called them all out, and he made a command. Anyone who chose not to serve the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would be thrown into the fiery furnace. That huge statue that he just built, 90 feet high, is now useless and dormant. Why? Because these three men refused to bow at what the command was given. Man, That's powerful. And this is who you and I are. This is what a grown-up does. Man, I'm going to divorce myself from this. I can handle it. Why? Because the greater one lives on the inside of me. I ain't backing down. They may try to take my job. They may try to take all this stuff. They cannot take my faith in God. My God is for me, so who can be against me? Do your best, devil. Try it. Bring on your very best shot, because I will not buckle. I will not bend, because I'm part, I'm connected to this man. And who showed up in the fiery furnace? The fourth man showed up. Who's that? Man, he showed up and he was right there in the middle of it with them. Praise the Lord. All right. So until we know that we are righteous, we will not live by faith, but we will continue to live by our physical senses. But the moment that we are pierced with the revelation of righteousness, our days of victory begin. Why? And this is the last verse I'm going to give you and I'm all done. First John chapter 5, verse 4. It says this. Oh, I better read it. It says, For whoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world. What is it? Our faith. Say it, my faith. So God, has He made you an overcomer? Yes, you, I may, you are an overcomer, but you may not be overcoming. So what's the cure for that? A right-standing mindset. This is who I am. This is who God made to be. I am righteous. When you say that, that is a mouthful. Come on, just say that with me. I am righteous. And what is the good news? The good news tells you how God made you righteous. So part of this righteousness is, man, I can stand before God as if I've never done a thing wrong. Yeah, that's part of it. But the other side of it is, I am more than a conqueror. through. Hey, thanks for listening. If you live in the central Alberta region of Canada, we would love to have you come out and check out one of our weekend messages. For more info on all of our directions, service times, and children's programs, visit our website at impactlife.ca. That's impactlife.ca.